Recording of the session on the delivery strikes, worth workers fighting back in the gig economy at Ideas for Freedom 2019. You'll hear from two speakers, plus their responses to the discussion from the floor. The speakers are Zach Murrell Dowson, Workers Liberty supporter and chair of the RWGB National Delivery Committee, and Tyrone Falls, chair of Bristol Couriers Network, RWGB. They're gonna talk to us uh, for about 40 minutes or so about um, about the campaigns and strikes they've been involved in and then we'll have some time to discuss. So we're going to just record the opening um, speeches and then I'll be turning that off so um, it won't be recording other contributions. Okay. Okay. Um, Yes, so just to start off uh, to give a kind of people a bit of flavour of like well, give a bit of background. So, the way, um, like, working from uh, as delivery workers, we're um, we're falsely categorised as um, self-employed independent contractors. Um, so there are, there are three categories of, of kind of, of worker under um, UK law, um, and that's well, that's technically not a type of worker. Um, and but that means that we're not. Uh, we don't get any workers' rights, we don't get a minimum wage or anything like that. Um, and that, um, because they managed to kind of do that, um, we don't, we get paid per delivery we do. Um, uh, and like not a kind of minimum per hour. Um, historically, there have been some places where there's been a minimum per hour, but there's, there's no one who's still on that contract. Um, and so you get paid per um it kind of the amount you get paid per you get offered per delivery and then you get paid for for that delivery kind of varies it's supposed to take into account all sorts of things like distance etc um but it it's normally around four pounds um and the kind of the busyness varies as well so you know, in the most busy times, um, you know, certain like sometimes Friday evening or Saturday evening, and you know, a, a few times on the weekend, you, you can average maybe in in Bristol anyway, you can average maybe two and a half or so drops an hour, so you can be getting about ten pounds an hour. But then, other times, um, if it's less busy, um, you might be getting significantly less than that. Like there've been times when. Uh, when I've I've worked and been getting significantly under the minimum wage, um, this is before you take into account the kind of costs involved in, you know, in our case, so we're both um, cycle couriers in Bristol. Um, so, you know, there are costs involved in that with your own bike, uh, like motorcyclists and car drivers, who the other one, other other couriers have, have higher costs, obviously. Um, and yeah, um, this that basically all adds up to make it a very kind of not only low paid but a kind of it can be quite a, a, a pretty insecure income. You know, you don't know exactly how much uh, how much you're going to be able to earn in a given day or week or whatever. Um, and their gen their general policy team seems to be so like the the kind of takeaway courier industry is a is quite a competitive one. 
Um, so their policy seems to be in like new places where they're they're just starting up. So there'll be Deliveroo, um, Uber Eats, and well, uh, normally the third major one is Stuart, which most people probably haven't heard of, but they they get subtracted by other subtracted by other services like Justy and so on. I mean, there, there are there are others as well, but um, when they go into new places, they tend to kind of offer compared, you know, compared to what. We, we're now getting comparatively high wages and then kind of to, to get in enough couriers quickly enough to roll out their programme and then kind of progressively drop it. Um, there's more that we'll probably touch on later about the kind of maybe divisions or, or, or otherwise between like cyclists, motorcyclists and car um, couriers. Um, and also, you know, on the basis of kind of like language and nationality. Um, so that's the kind of background of what it's like. Um, then in terms of kind of what we've been demanding, what we've been agitating around, what um, what couriers have, have the issues around. So like the, the main one is about, the main ones are basically like various different Angles on kind of better pay, so higher pay per delivery, higher pay per, so five pounds a drop, so that's per delivery, one pound per additional mile, um, per additional, yeah, um, and paid waiting time. So currently, when you go to a restaurant, you're waiting, you're you're not paid for that time, um, and then also things like a hiring freeze because all of these com- companies uh, systematically overhire, um, which allows them to drive down the kind of waiting times for um, customers and also allows them to drive down at how much we get paid um, but that also not only drives down how much we get paid uh, kind of directly because they can make us undercut each other but it means that you can get less often get less kind of deliveries in a given time um, so on top of those things then they've been like very specific demands that you get kind of about like use of loading bays or like other particular things um, some of which are kind of directed at councils as well as at delivery or as well as at restaurants um, and I guess the other one we've been kind of demand the other major one we've been demanding recently is, is kind of um, is about job security so that people like people have been terminated often in kind of large numbers so they call basically making people redundant or, or sacking them um, they call it termination because we're, we're partners of delivery we're not, not employees um, and people have been terminated in large numbers with no evidence given uh, no right to appeal and no notice um, so they, you know, they just find out one day you haven't got a job anymore um, so We've been demanding kind of due process, adequate evidence, you know, at a certain time. The kind of bigger demand, which, um, like I think we, we, well, we would advocate and our union IWGB would advocate, but courier hasn't been demanded by couriers so widely, partly because it's a kind of, there's some con- controversy about it, um, is, is about worker status, so that we should be categorised as uh, as workers, um, there's a legal fight there as well. The, the, the kind of delivery try and make the case, and have persuaded some couriers that you know being categorised as workers, which would give us 
some more rights um, would uh, undermine our flexibility, but that's not true. Uh, it's not necessarily true anyway. Um, okay, and yeah, so the thing I'm going to talk about now before then passing over to um, Tyrone is the kind of updates, uh, a, a bit of an update on what's happened so far. Um, so mostly, there've been there've been kind of strikes and things on and off in across the kind of uh, the platform takeaway courier industry, if you want to call it that. Um, uh, um, you know, since it's kind of come about, but the main thing is uh, in this kind of round of strikes has been since um, October. So in October there was. Uh, kind of internationally, there was um, what was I think called a fast food shutdown, was was kind of called by various workers and organisations and so on. Um, so the strikes of kind of you know McDonald's workers and and like other people in fast food and in the UK um, there was a call out made um, I think by the yeah a call out made by the um, IWW, that, uh, uh, which sees itself as a trade union, um, to for for a kind of strike across um, courier workers, um, and in various places, kind of people people took that and kind of organised on the basis of that. Um, in and Bristol was the uh, so, so far as I can make out with the, the kind of most well organised um, there was no kind of follow up plan from that but um, so this was before I was a, I was a courier Tyrone was a, 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 a very involved in organising that um, but kind of following up from that um, in Bristol uh, kind of more the more organisation was kind of consolidated um or there was building on that organisation anyway, um, and then um, in yeah, I mean that there was a pretty good turnout in that. Um, it got quite a lot of coverage and, and caused caused some disruption and and caused delivery to offer fee boost, which is basically kind of higher pay for uh, several weekends after that in in Bristol. Um, and then in December, the there was a kind of a strike called um, kind of uh, you know on on like uh, with with no notice um, by um, well, predominantly by the Brazilian motorcycle couriers. So there's everywhere basically there's like a high contingent of the couriers of Brazilian motorcyclists. Um, and I mean the basic reason for that is that if there's a there's quite a big kind of culture of people uh, riding scooters or motorbikes and so on in in Brazil, um, and you know and also things about kind of difficulty getting other types of work and so on. Um, but yeah, basically they they had a meeting with delivery management in which um, a very large number of them and some you know other supporters and so on had, had, had gone in um, and um, like Tyrone and, and, uh, and other couriers 
Um, and basically they felt like they got nowhere and so he just called the strike then. Um, and Bristol Couriers Network had kind of started building up at that point. Um, and we, um, we, so we'd, we'd, we'd mobilized, we'd handed out leaflets trying to get more, more, more cyclists to come along and, and, and be there at the, at the kind of demo outside and inside the office. And then when a strike was called, trying to get people to go down to strike. So that was a, that strike, um, caused a lot of disruption. Most of the delivery service was not functioning. Um, in across Bristol, um, and off, and kind of somewhat independently, but also kind of, well, yeah, there'd been more organising ha happening with Bristol Couriers Network around that that time, um, and then, um, kind of, that obviously encouraged it, um, and we organised more um, and had three more strikes in across January and February. Um, these are strikes demanding the things that I, I discussed earlier. So the kind of the main way in which um, we kind of built for all of those strikes was making bilingual leaflets in English and Portuguese, talking to other couriers, giving them the leaflets, taking their phone numbers, um, and kind of uh, building that way because so like a lot of the job here it's it, it's quite kind of isolating in the uh in the sense you know not only are you working on social hours but a lot of the time you're just on your own cycling around but you do the kind of key restaurants you end up meeting other couriers um and that's the kind of place and, and kind of way in which like uh we've done most of our organizing um and basically through those strikes we uh, every time we did it, the delivery offered a kind of pay, a kind of pay increase to all couriers on that day and for some days following, um, to try and break the strike and also to kind of try and placate people. But they never kind of acknowledged it was because of that, and they also implemented a hiring freeze um, for at least six weeks, um, and yeah, then basically. Um, through the process of, of those three strikes, which were all, okay, we don't, we haven't got exact figures on the, on the third one, um, uh, in which me and Tyrone were both, both away, but um, the ones we have got figures on, they, had, they shut down three quarters of uh, deliveries operation in Bristol, um, they caused big disruptions and so on, and, and, and made delivery lose a lot of money. Um, and we also, kind of flash occupied restaurants um, so like Wagamama's or whatever so we, we went in, inside there like as we were going around on the kind of like moving picket or whatever um, we'd you know a load of people would be outside like honking their m mobile corns or like you know chanting and a load of us would go inside and, and kind of basically disrupt the restaurants um, and talk to customers and so on and this you know, ups, upset the restaurants quite a lot and, and delivery depends uh, hugely on kind of the financial relations between the the restaurants which 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 contract out the courier service through them um, and so that put pressure on delivery um, and you know, we know that from the fact that in follow-up strikes they hired large numbers of 
well, the high security um, to, uh, to try and prevent us from doing that, which they didn't manage, uh, but, um, or didn't fully manage anyway. Um, but anyway, so th we, we'd been effective and we got quite a lot of coverage, and off the back of that, um, various other places um, organised uh, in some places like um, Nottingham and kind of York organised kind of like a succession of, of strikes. Some of them coordinated to be at the same time as us, some of them coordinated to be on different days or, or just happening to be on different days. Um, and um, uh, yeah, and we've kind of built up national organisation uh, through that. Um, in some places where they've just there have been other places where they've been kind of le le less organisation or less of a the case of there being kind of one or two kind of committed kind of you know a activists committed left wingers trying to do this in which you know they've maybe had our strike and then it's all petered away and they haven't won anything. Um, the last thing I'll kind of comment on, but before passing it over to Tyrone, is. Um, uh, yeah, so about the kind of union. So uh, first of all, we were kind of organising, well, Bristol Couriers Network was organising with, with some support from the IWW, um, and um, yeah, the, like the IWW the, um, is, a, is an organisation which uh, kind of has, has historically sees its roots in the kind of IWW trade union uh, that, of, that you know, existed um, in uh, America before the First World War um, and you know, organised a lot of impressive strikes then. Um, the kind of connection between that union as it exists now and uh, then and, and what exists now is, is kind of pretty tenuous beyond the kind of name and, and logo, and as is the way they organise. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, they did, they did bits of support, um, and that was good. But um, their way of organising is is not really. Uh, I mean, we can go into detail about the kind of issues with them. Basically, they don't particularly organise like a trade union. They organise like a kind. Of, they do bits of supporting here and there, but you know, they don't organise on a workplace basis um, properly. They don't. They don't try and build membership, uh, or, and so on. Uh, but we found like so the IWGB is is the main union which has been organising and winning in the courier industry in particular in London. Um, and they were, they are, uh, Tyrone uh, was a member of both and went to some of their events and, uh, you know, kind of thought they had a lot to, to kind of bring, um, persuaded me to join. Uh, well, you know, I, I generally, I you know, I think we should join the kind of main uh, union in whatever industry we're in. So it did, did, didn't take a lot of persuasion. But um, but then off, off the back of that, invited as well um, some of them to come and kind of talk in Bristol and and uh, basically like you know, couriers in Bristol saw that the support offered. Uh, you know, in terms not in terms of like doing stuff for us, but in terms of kind of. Uh, experience in fighting and winning and the IWGB had, had a lot to offer and so we decided to affiliate and um, we democratically decided to affiliate to IWGB and we've now got membership of about 20 um, 
which um, uh, we kind of build um, through. Because, so because we're not technically not workers, we're not shackled by the anti-trade union legislation. So, you know, we had, um, there's maybe about 400 active couriers and we know that in some of the strikes we had uh, maybe th 300 people striking, a lot of them striking, like not coming out to, you know, the kind of moving picket line or whatever, but that was how many people we had at home, but mo most of them weren't in a trade union. We didn't ballot in any kind of, po we didn't do like postal ballot or whatever, we decided by voting in our meetings. Um, but anyway, yeah, we've got about 20 members now, um, that whole process, we had a kind of fallout with the IWW, but, you know, if people want to hear about more about that, they can ask about that. Um, yeah, I think that's all, all for me on that, that point. Sorry, I kind of went on a bit. strikes or um, yeah with the organizing um so i'd say probably like kind of like some uh, like the issues that we face with Deliveroo are kind of like stuff that's in a, in a way kind of quite common in organizing and low paid work so like with Deliveroo um like there's just generally a very deep sense or like very prevalent sense of like kind of powerlessness and negativity about your about your work life and and what you can do about it and also that there's um the low pay which makes it harder for people to strike um and also the extremely high turnover and with Deliveroo quite is quite a big factor in that you basically have a the statistics are more or less like within six months the new new riders that have come on the scene about 75 percent of them you just won't see again so you could be organizing find some committed people and then actually they've gone and got another job so there are these sort of like um yeah these kind of organizing issues and i think another issue which in a way isn't isn't actually as bad or it's overstated like a lot of people there's kind of this myth that like career organizing is really hard because you don't have like a set workplace um, which is true, but you've got lots of places where you will meet people, like you will meet people in the centre whilst you're waiting for orders, because that's the place where you've got to go. And you will talk to a lot of people when you're waiting at restaurants. And so, and you will end up making these connections and it's actually like, I think most couriers don't even realise how wide their network of people that they know are. Um, and like, once you actually start mapping it out, you realise like, in a way, once you know like four or five people, you probably know all the rest of the workforce um, via those four or five people. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, but it, it does still mean that like if you want to, like the most important thing when it comes to organizing is talking face to face. And so like you're, yeah, it's, you really need to be kind of working reasonably often to sort of be seeing the same people or maybe there's that person that you want to talk to but you can't contact them on whatsapp because some people just don't respond on whatsapp because 
they just don't and then you you have to try and find them or whatever and so there um there are all these kind of like little issues there but um overall like we there was there's those issues and then there's also like a kind of weird sort of like divide not antagonism but just a sort of like separation and and like and how people identify basically based on vehicles um so you've got basically like the cycle careers and the moped careers and they actually have just separate whatsapp groups and like the moped careers also uh are predominantly like 80 percent from brazil um and so they kind of kind of organize in their own language groups or whatever and to be honest prior to the organizing that we had in bristol the like moped careers were let's just say like the kind of most organized out of the workforce like they had done sort of like well like strikes that were not outside of like any trade unions over stuff like you know withheld pay um by deliveroo um stuff like that so um yeah but it meant that when you when we were organizing it was always very difficult to like specifically with the moped careers like you know because we got basically zero work, workers rights it's kind of high you have to really like kind of go back to basics about the reason why these people should join a trade union and i think for a lot of people for a lot of moped careers it's sort of difficult to understand that because it's like well we've already built up our own kind of like organization and we're already organizing and we're already like, i mean they were the ones that would bring out half the workforce and they weren't actually in a union and so um sort of like getting people to see the value of joining that union and like trying to um yeah of course overcome language divides was always you know was a bit difficult it's it's still difficult and you know you you just kind of you gotta kind of like keep out people and it's it's frustrating when you're like there will be times where you're just like talking to people and they're like complaining so oh when we go on strike we lose pay and it's like that's why you need to join a union so that we can like build up a strike fund and they're like oh yeah yeah that's a really good idea and then like but then you have to like say that to them again a couple of times um but yeah um but so these are kind of like the issues but i mean we we got some way um to doing it and i think um kind of like i'd say the outcomes out of it at least are like we want what we kind of like materially won was like a hiring freeze earlier than we expected we won basically um like higher pay on the weekends that basically meant that we were getting higher higher pay than any other city in the country um and in nottingham they actually won uh, a pay hike of their um, base pay when they went on a one-day strike um so there are all these things that, like um that were won out of it and we also won kind of membership from our our mayor um he came out and gave a speech at one of the, one of our first strikes and agreed to help with um parking issues for moped couriers um but i think also the other thing that was sort of won out of it or like that came out of it was like that we kind of like out of nowhere in a way they kind of like burst out of it just like strikes happening in loads of different cities like up until like up until a few months prior there were like maybe one or two cities that that had done strikes and then suddenly you had like you know Bournemouth Cheltenham Manchester like all these places across the country suddenly going out on strike and so I think that was really good and I think the other thing that they did is like up until then I think a lot of the worries around people striking was that like you'd get fired very quickly by delivery by doing it and I think for a lot of, like one of the things that these strikes have done have basically shown like you can strike four or five times 
and you know like none of us who are like the most prominent people got fired um, so I mean it's not to say like Deliveroo had done firing before but whenever they've done any firing and people have done a reinstatement campaign they've won that and so um, I think that was a really positive thing and I think yeah just generally it was, it's always good to get people fighting like getting people to just sort of be like yeah we, we need to do something about it and showing that it is possible um, so and you know it's you know it will keep going and it will keep fighting so um, it's an important thing to remember in terms of how people can help uh, I think I mean one way is always get a job with Deliveroo and get involved get stuck in with the campaign like um, that's always welcome uh, I guess talking to Deliveroo couriers that you see on the street. The other thing is that the IWGB hands out, um, has got like a bulletin for people in platform food delivery. And so, uh, you know, you can, if you like, we can send those to people and they can kind of hand them out and, and talk to, and sort of like spread the word about that there's a union there for Deliveroo couriers. Um, uh, so all of these things are helpful. I mean, at the moment, cause there's no like, specific strikes planned it's not as like uh maybe not as urgent but before we had like places people groups doing like fundraisers for a strike fund like one of the things i think if there's you know another like long set of strikes having a big big strike fund is extremely important and to actually be able to see us through on this fight um so yeah doing things like that is yeah super helpful and um, yeah, and I guess talking, yeah, talk to people about it. Um, yeah, so that was the main things on that that I want to say. Okay, so we were, so we were going to go back and forth mm-hmm. over a few things. And, mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but also, if anyone wants to uh, kind of ask a question, probably too, because you're not following something to say, but then otherwise, we'll go into wider discussion. Um, so, one of the kind of kind of things to talk about in is yeah the kind of perspective kind of about IWGB um, and about its relationship to kind of the wider trade union movement. So um, if so, the union that we're kind of organising with IWGB um, is uh, it's it's. Um, quite a young union um, it came about uh, about six or so years ago um, and it's like the kind of when, when it came about like, like the history of it is is of organising uh, predominantly like low paid migrant workers uh, or, or historically at least um, majority migrant workers now I don't know maybe but I don't know portions are now, anyway, but like, um, it's quite a small union um, because it's you know quite young, although it's grown a lot. Um, it's close to five thousand members. Um, it's kind of compared to basically almost all other trade unions in the kind of UK labour movement. It's uh, you know generally kind of more more active. Um, kind of bolder um, in terms of, uh, you know, 
like yeah, like create creative and confrontational strike action, a kind of um, yeah, quite uh, kind of bold uh, c campaigns, um, and um, I th yeah, I mean, I think there are various kind of reasons for kind of why what why that is. A lot of it, I think, is is because it's kind of a young trade trade union and so hasn't kind of yet. Uh, being kind of bureaucratized and and undergone the same kind of going towards kind of conservatism that is 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 a tendency that most trade unions have kind of succumbed to to a greater extent. Um, it's also got some very good kind of uh, activists and and a, a lot of experience uh, within it. Um, so yeah, to get, kind of give a flavour of those kind of things, you know that. I think it's it's unusual that like we were the idea of like occupying, uh, like uh, occupying restaurants, um, you know, being loud and causing that kind of disruption was, you know, it, it encouraged by, you know, an, another courier who's who's also the vice president of the the union, um, like most most demos are, are are quite loud, quite visible, you know, they couple it with calling for like you know boycotts of things um you know uh, occupations and other kind of like direct actions and so on um so i think it's kind of um it's it's kind of known for those kind of things um which are obviously really good it's also you know it is the main union that's been organizing in the career industry mostly it's basically organizing in industries which are, are kind of you know, weren't particularly organised beforehand. Um, and, you know, that is good and positive. Um, there were some kind of kind of limitations to, to it, which are kind of not really seen or, or, or discussed beyond it. Beyond it. Um, so, you know, it, again, compared to most trade unions, like, it's, it's like, fairly democratic. Um, like... Yeah, like decisions on how campaigns are run, you know, are 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 made kind of by members and and like you know largely like gen genuinely like kind of member led, um, and you know throughout it there's like a kind of significant democratic culture. Um, on the other hand, there's like um, there's limits to uh, limits to the kind of democratic. Um, structures um, so for example um, there there are quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of staff with kind of influential roles so like paid organizers you know uh, the um, uber drivers um, have I think now two people who are kind of paid um, not uber, you know United private hire drivers in which kind of you know uh, basically for mini cabs um, in which you know Uber's a significant one but not the only by any means um, they have two people who are kind of paid to do organising work um, and that's something which um, should be elected because it has you know a lot of influence um, the press officer likewise is is paid but not elected um, so there are those limits that kind of tied in with that and general limits of, of kind of issues. Um, is 
um, a kind of, I don't know, kind of like NGO-ism of some of it in that like um, there's kind of like quite a heavy reliance because it's a small union comprised of lower wage workers which, you know, uses, you know, is does a lot of campaigning, uses money on that campaigning. Um, there is quite a heavy kind of reliance on external funding, um, a lot of which is, okay, sorry, a lot of which is uh, kind of brought in kind of centrally in a, in a pretty undemocratic way. Um, at the recent AGM, we had a motion that, uh, that kind of I brought and, and we had a good debate about, about these kind of things, but ultimately it was uh, it lost by quite a long way. Um, and, oh, so yeah, the, the kind of other thing on, on this point is the kind of relationship between the kind of micro-unions, so IWGB and, and also uh, UVW and uh, another even smaller one, and, and the kind of rest of the trade union, so trade union movement. So, like, you know, I think we, you know, we see it as um, very important, like, these kind of confrontational and bold campaigns um, can play a really important role in, in kind of reviving a lot of the rest of the labour movement um, but you know we don't you know we're not going to transform the labour movement by like IWGB just kind of growing and growing and growing until it is like the union and somehow still being really great um, so a motion that Tyrone brought to the, the uh, AGM uh, was about IWGB working more closely with trades councils, uh, which which passed, um, and you know this it's currently not a member of the TUC, uh, probably because other other trade unions don't want it to be. Um, I guess there was some lim there are some kind of things that need unpicking about when it might be. It there might be kind of limit like kind of problems with the kind of IWGB organizing in the sense that you know in some places um, where it's maybe started to organize you know there are other trade unions and you know we to you know for kind of democratic control of workplaces we want you know ideally like one trade union representing everyone there and um, so that kind of splitting splitting of things even when it's you know, by by a union which is encouraging more um, kind of a more kind of radical approach in the long term is harmful. I think that's that's not by it being so significant of a phenomena. What has been more of a phenomena and and has kind of positives as well as negatives is, um, for example, amongst um, United Private Hire drivers, um, they were organising um, as as a collective, as part of the GMB, and they they came up against the GMB's bureaucracy, which was basically attempted to limit them from campaigning, prevent them striking, and so on. Um, and what they did was then kind of split from that and joined the IWGB. Um, and have they've done lots of good things since then? So that's a positive, and it it might be that had they not done that, it would have all just died away. But on the other hand, something that might have happened. Um, and would have been a kind of better outcome for the health of the labour movement as a whole if they would have continued that fight but also taken the fight 
more seriously to the GMB as a whole and help transform, you know, not not just build the union, which is, you know, you know, less than a thousandth of of the trade union membership of the UK as a whole, but like help to transform one of the largest unions in the UK. So there's, I don't know, you know, there's there's two sides to that. Um, but yeah, I'll just pass it to you. Yeah, so I think we're pretty much up. Okay. No, so that's the thing, because we're classified as independent contractors, right. we're not classified as workers, so it's basically like, you know, like a more extreme version of your standard outsourcing, that basically the Deliveroo don't have any legal responsibility to us at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have any responsibility to actually supply us with kit. Uh, with like with a jacket and a bag, right. um, but you know they do it anyway because they think they they couldn't really function if they're depending on people. Even though you're, you're visiting their outlets, as it were, they're, well, they're, yeah, they, they don't provide anything in that, that, that category. Not really. Like you have to buy. They have a store, so you buy things from the store, and then you can like get a refund if you stop working for them and you give it back. Right. I mean, of course, nobody ever does that. Um, but like. So yeah, and in terms of our day-to-day lives, like I'll switch this on, uh, like I'll be like, well, I can't do it now because they, they don't they don't like that in London. But um, I, I connect to it, and basically I just wait there, and it will say like low demand, high demand, very high demand, uh, and the, basically I'll just get offered an order, right. and I can be like, do I want to do it? Accept, or if I don't, I can reject right, it and right. give a reason for rejecting it. So basically, that's their way of getting out. What they're by delivery doing that, what they're saying to us is what they're trying to say legally is like actually these people are working for themselves because they have this control over their work. When actually there's loads of stuff going on with how the algorithm serves out work, how it decides your pay, um, but they that they overhire massively and basically have control over how many people are working on the workforce, that they can still terminate you whenever you like. Um, is this all done through a central office, a uh, call centre, or how, how does it operate? Um, mainly, I think they've just got one office really in, in London, like one major headquarters in London. But the process is done by um, a kind of supercomputer with an algorithm. Yeah. Like the, uh, there, there isn't a person that's done dishing out these things as a an an argument. Yeah, but there's decisions being made about about um, you know what what goes into the algorithm and what doesn't. Yeah. So that you know like there are managers behind those decisions. Right. So in terms of that, what you said about the these these kitchens or these like industrial hubs, um, that's actually a really interesting thing and it's being kind of strategically used by workers. So basically what they have are these if you're from delivery delivery calls them additions, delivery additions, and uh, some people, and they're also called dark kitchens as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically what these are, like in some cities, including London, I think has a couple, you'll get like these kind of industrial hubs where um, basically delivery will have like these, just these containers that are where people just fry and, and make food simply for um, delivery by delivery. So there's no, it's not somewhere where you can go and like ask for a meal or whatever. They're just there, just to hand to. I saw the delivery own them. You say on this occasion. Yeah, yeah, basically. So they own them, and they've they've made whatever agreement with restaurants to basically 
to, to be able to use their recipes or use their food or whatever um, to do that. So um, that's dynamic. But what's interesting is that in some places, um, these delivery editions are like, you know, they, they become kind of important for delivery or delivery have spent a certain amount of money on, on making these uh, hubs for themselves. So what they did actually one action with the IWW um, and, and some moped couriers uh, here in London, they actually basically did a shutdown on one of these uh, addition sites. So they basically just kind of like blocked it off and just demanded that people don't. And a, a similar thing was done in Cambridge as well. And usually when you do that, even if you threaten to do it for a couple of hours, delivery probably usually shuts the site down for a whole day. So they are, those are quite strategic points if you, if you have those. In your, we don't have them in Bristol, you know, for better or for worse. Um, but yeah, it's something that you can um, and there is a two other um, so your question was like the sort of thing of like the fact that we weren't shackled by trade union law or like our status and how that related I think it's quite interesting because it's like we have you know on the one hand we've got no workers rights um, you know which is not good of course um, but um, I think there's there's something interesting about the way that we organized and kind of grew compared to like the rest of the labor movement at the moment um, and I think it's the fact that like because we weren't shackled by trade union laws that like we actually grew by striking um, so like because we were like saying hey we're going to strike and the, and the more we kind of struck the more people got involved um, so that was which is like at the moment with the rest of the, the labor movement in a way like not totally um, but there's kind of like a sort of thing of like you have to gradually get up to a certain percent density or whatever and then like build up for a strike and there's not and there's also not the same way that you can kind of like you know your your democracy is basically foisted on you by these um by by the trade union laws and what they say is democratic to do and um, that you do it by a postal ballot rather than being in a room together or whatever else um so i think there there are those interesting things and I think when it comes down to it like our kind of labour conditions are sort of like an outcome of the ex like our miscategorization as not being workers and the extent to which delivery goes and exploits that but also the extent of like our um, our power as workers and how well organised we are and so like taking those two together like it's always you know it, the more the more organized you are like and like the less delivery are going to fuck with you um, because they, they're not going to want that backlash um, so yeah it's difficult to say and then I forgot what your question was about um, I was, was more like about I didn't give you in general but how like workplaces oh okay, okay. so the, the IWGB has like a bunch of different branches um, so we're in the careers and logistics branch but there's also the, um, there's, they have cleaners branch, they have one for Uber drivers basically, they've got one for foster care workers which is actually the biggest branch in the union, uh, interestingly enough, uh, and there's for security guards recently a game workers branch, an electrical workers branch, and there's like one or two university branches basically. Um, so yeah, I mean in terms of like how they, can't say the exact details of how they organize there, but it's kind of like what organizing would look in most places where you have kind of activists and reps who, you know, they'll go out and talk to people. And I think, 
I guess what they're, you know, I guess the thing that distinguishes IWGB quite dramatically, well, quite, quite a lot from the other big unions is like they're just a lot more willing. And in, in fact, in a way, sort of, in some cases, push workers to do more radical action than they thought they would have done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, an example of that is like with the recent congestion charges that have been brought in in, in London um, for you know, private hire drivers, which basically kind of puts the burden of, of the of a conge of like congestion or whatever on, on private hire drivers rather than on the company. Um, is that basically what deliver what deliver what the, the IWGB did in response was basically organize a series of like rolling demos every Monday, Monday after Monday, just have with loads of um, with loads of drivers. So um, I mean they're good I think they're good to work they're a good union to get involved with to really get a sense of like you know, in the best way that you can do in the UK labour movement of what a fighting union sort of looks like, what a combative union looks like and, and have that to kind of understand like in, in some branches and with some individuals in particular, like kind of a bit like how fearless they are about taking action and like the more the more that's kind of taken up as an attitude the better. Yeah, I can come back on some of that. Um so uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we do have a contract. Um, it's it's just not covered by any kind of work protection things. And it, there are, I think, two different termination clauses in the contract, which basically gives them the right to terminate us with nothing. Um, I I think the fear there is genuine fear that we we've been kind of like having to overcome that and having to well, but both. The fear of overcoming, uh, of losing their jobs, but mm. probably more so the you know the people are so close to the deadline that like the money they'll lose from one one evening, because mm. um, I mean so there's the there's the you know statistics about you know seventy five percent of people leave within six months, but I think that um, you know and that does present a big obstacle, but I think that kind of masks the fact that. The kind of the core of the work in general is is done by like a significantly smaller num number of people than than that. You know, so there's like maybe like a hundred and fifty, um, you know, Brazilian motorcyclists in Bristol who you know do the the kind of the bulk of the work throughout the week because they work you know ten hour days seven days a week or, or whatever um, you know compared to like you know someone who's, who's, who's got a bike and a smartphone already and they're like oh you know I'm a student and maybe I want a few hours here and there and they do it like twice and they don't do it again um, so like to really disrupt shit um, and have effective strikes we did have to engage with the people for whom it is like yeah, it's like a serious thing, um, and you know, again, with with it's different depending on your vehicles. But like, you know, for bike couriers, you know, like for pedal bike couriers, you know, if well, I guess for motorbike couriers, basically, you know, your your vehicle is a significant expenditure, and a lot of that is like an investment in the work you're hoping to get back. Um, so like overcoming that was a, a phenomenon um, 
was a thing we had to kind of ta- tackle. Um, in I oh, was just coming back on on one thing about the um, kind of supporting. I know you kind of asked about that earlier. Um, I totally agree with everything you and kind of Tyrone said. I guess the other thing is um, if there's anyone organising in an area in which you're doing it, which you know ideally there will be, like you know, all, as in like couriers organising, yeah. then taking people's contact details and passing them on to them is is the other kind of central thing. People might be a bit more cagey about doing that with people who aren't couriers, but I don't know. Um, the in terms of solidarity strikes. Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, I'm I'm not aware of solidarity strikes with um, us, other than I have heard about there being solidarity strikes between at some points by kind of United Private Hire Drivers, um, like you know blocking up uh, uh, whatever whatever they call it like drive-throughs and stuff Um, but again I think a lot of them are in a similar legal situation to us Um, and the well a lot of I mean yeah basically Uber Eats and Just Eat slash Stuart slash whatever couriers are in an almost identical situation to delivery couriers with some differences but like fundamentally it's the same um, and we organising all of them, delivery being the most well organised um, in uh, so far. Um, but then there's also other kinds of courier work. So like the Doctors Laboratory is a courier company that's mostly London based, um, and they do uh, stuff, you know, between like hospitals and GP practices and so on. Um, and they are. Um, they're a much smaller and much more static workplace that better pay and have more secure contracts which is largely through um, the IWGB's campaigning and they recently had a, had a two day strike um, and um, over attempts to change contracts and basically the, the changes of the contract were have mostly got rid of and instead there's been a significant pay hike um, so there, there are significant differences in organising in that context, but um, yeah, they've got you know quite far with that. They also just had uh, well, they were just supposed to have a court case, which would have given them back their holiday pay. Basically, they've got the back their holiday pay. But I think I haven't read up on it in detail. I think it might have been settled outside of court. Okay, oh, I don't know. Yeah, um, and. Uh, were you asking about like Uber couriers and Uber drivers and stuff as well? Well, so it's true that they must be facing similar issues. I was wondering what the uh, IWGB would do if they sort of face that in a sort of wider scale. Yeah, I mean, so I think they're doing similar-ish things. There's you know some legal cases, but mostly it's about organising people talking to them, getting them part of the union. The exact dynamics of how that works is kind of different. Um, but I think it's similar. I mean, I think there's more of a, um, yeah, the different dynamics. Cool, okay, we've got about 10 minutes left, so is there any more questions? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
So, one of the things I've spoken about with a few people in my brand group about how this the digital picket line is something that people kind of willingly ignore at times. You know, when there's been action on, it's kind of the people that I speak to who are not involved in, you know, labor movements or work struggles or anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, organizations don't get it, they don't understand, like, just think, oh, well, delivery we're on strike, and obviously do agree to work instead. And I think this is kind of what I meant about the second picket minister. Delivery on strike organizing us to picket the big restaurants or the big sites of delivery that you know members of the curry services also kind of use. So to shut their business out while you're also out, sort of take out the you know like kind of destabilize the whole food careers if the I know this has a negative impact on the riders when we agree to whatever it would be affected, but this idea that the action works for Deliveroo, kind of, yes, potentially it does, it works for anyone who works for Deliveroo if the end goal is to improve the situation there, but we know that the other organisations who are coming to treat people equally shitty. So, you know, this kind of mobilisation across the the playing field, you're kind of like what the the the, the NUM wanted you remind the strike was kind of everyone else to come out and strike and support. Whereas with this the union wants one side to the other riders, so they could just, you know, the IBGB could potentially I don't I don't you know I'm speaking at second to don't know that situation, but kind of that whole idea that you know there's an organised strike with delivery riders then it grips in that city part as well, organised kind of that token to those of the couriers and getting people who are willing to to walk out at the same time because then that digital picket line is kind of being more enforced because you're not going to be able someone's not going to be able to walk out get some food delivery so I'm using food to just mm -hmm. eat because their service is going to be under attack as well. I don't know if that's something that you know is even possible. Mm -hmm. Are there any other questions? Um, yeah, just come back on that. I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, people kind of need to understand what to, yeah, that there are picket lines in a digital way. But um, I think also, like, with, I mean, with, with the Uber drivers, I know that they kind of call for, as far as I know, understand, they call for people to, to kind of boycott the service whilst they're striking. With Deliveroo, it's actually a bit more complicated in that depending on how well organized you are, you'd actually prefer people to be using Deliveroo um, when there is a maybe like a very high majority strike on. Reason being that basically, and, and like you don't want, you know, there's always this debate like, do we want the restaurants to switch off their apps or not switch off their apps? Well, it, and it's but it's also like it's also just how much you're going to cost the company because with Deliveroo, when you when we go on strike, we actually have a lot of leverage. Like we cost these, we cost Deliveroo tens of thousands of pounds because they're making thousands and thousands from like just one Itsu or one Wagamama's. But when you go on, when you strike, and when food isn't delivered from a from Wagamama's, not only do Deliveroo have to pay the customer back, but they also have to pay the restaurant back. Um, so you're basically, it's, you know, like the extent of it is doubled as a result that 
um, when, when you do those actions because Deliveroo failed to provide the service. Um, so I think, yeah, it depends. I think like probably if like there's a Deliveroo strike, if there's a well-organized Deliveroo strike in the city uh, and you're in that city, do what you want. And then, but I think if you're anywhere else where there's maybe not delivery happening, but you want to show your support, maybe like organizing a boycott and all that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, like it's still something that like goes back and forth about it. Um, so I'm, I'm not really sure. But um, in terms of, there was something else that I wanted to sort of, um, I think someone was asking about like how we sort of like went about organizing like on, on the ground. I think one of the things that was, sort of is, is salient to remember as well as there's a really good quote that I think I read in, in this book um, which is like um, or maybe another one which is like um, the working class builds cells for their own defence so like they're like even in places where you think there's no organisation going on there is actually some there are structures there at play there are like sort of like sort of networks of people and, and networks of trust that are actually uh, that abound. It's just that it's not as unified as it should be, and it's not directed against the employer. Yeah. And what you're trying to do as an organizer is that in the workplace is that you're trying to get you're trying to get people to sort of like start looking upwards and start being more together, basically. Um, and I think, um, yeah, like and particularly what we managed to do well in Bristol was really trying to engage the the moped couriers who already had a strong tight knit thing. We just weren't in a union. And they weren't thinking as like we need to we need to build a union, but I mean they were very you know there was further than probably most uh, than than a lot of workplaces that have some some kind of union density in them, um, you know which is interesting. Uh, and I think there was I forgot you had a question about um, oh, with um, the IWGB and how they sort of generally organise with other precarious workers and platform stuff. Um, I think there there's like. There are efforts made to sort of like do more stuff between branches. I mean, what they had last year, which I went on a demonstration in November, and I think they might have another one. It was actually it was, in, it was a Halloween demonstration, and it was called like precarious precarious workers rise up. So it was like the biggest precarious I mean, the only precarious workers demo uh, in the UK. Um, but basically, what they yeah, it was all about basically getting. Not only the IWGB, but like people who work in McDonald's, people who work in Weatherspoons, everyone who kind of works in low-wage um, work, um, out on a demonstration together and sort of show like, you know, one, this isn't a problem about a particular company where that one union is addressing. It's it's you know across it's across the board, and also that we're united in fighting here. Um, so yeah, it was. I mean, like it was fun fun demonstration. So. Was there anything you wanted to say to sum up? No, I, I mean, I, I uh, yeah, I, I agree. On the on the question about boycotting, I, I wouldn't advocate people boycott. Um, the most important thing is to kind of come out on the picket lines and show your support. We run Ideas for Freedom every year. For more talks and discussions, come and join our now legendary annual socialist summer getaway above Hebden Bridge in West Yorkshire on the 8th to the 11th of August. This will be a long weekend of music, campfires, 
food, drink and socialist discussions, workshops, tree climbing and messing about in the great outdoors. Open to all. More information and tickets from £20, including foods, at workersliberty.org forward slash camp. <laughs>